Welcome to this week's podcast from Gathering Place Church. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information, please visit our website at gatheringplacechurch.com. So you may be seated. You can just keep the lights off, Troy. We just want to keep this atmosphere of worship going. We did a little tag team today. My incredible husband is under the weather, so he tagged me in late last night, and I said, okay. So, and I was here at 6 a.m., and I just give so much credit to my husband. He works so hard every week to put an incredible message that he hears from God for you each week. And I'm just thankful that I can tag team him in. I pray that I can bring the word forth. And he was going to talk on worship. (laughs) And um, so... I said, okay, God, what do you want me to speak? Because I had nothing. I was just going to preach a message I'm going to preach next week at a women's conference. And he told me, I just want you to speak on worship. And So let's just pray. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. I pray that I can adequately describe who you are. I pray that I can adequately bring forth your word. And that Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, not just in this church, but in this church, this house. You are welcome here. And that we would just cry out to you, that we would make a daily place at this altar. We thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in the service. We know that you're here, and we're so thankful that you show up every time that you're not unaware of where we are or what we're going through, but you are a God that is fully aware and wants to come and to speak with us. We just thank you for these next few moments that your word would come forth and that it would change hearts because we don't want to leave here the same. We don't want to leave here the same. We thank you that your word changes us from the inside out. In Jesus' name. So I'm just going to have the band stay up here for a little bit. And as Pastor Garrett wanted to talk about worship, you know, this is worship, but there's so much more to worship. And as I was seeking the Lord this morning, I said, you know, what do you lead me? Because I I don't know what you want me to speak on. And he brought me to Matthew 22, 37. I'm sorry, Tim, I didn't get you this one. But it says, teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And a second is equally important. And it says, love your neighbor as yourself. And I believe that is the heart of worship, is to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might with all your strength, with all your mind, and to equally love people wholeheartedly. He didn't say that this is the first, but he said equally love people 
And there was a quote from um, Graham Kendrick, and it said, Worship has been misunderstood as something that arises from a feeling that comes upon us. But it is vital that we understand that it's rooted in the conscious act of the will to serve and obey the Lord. It's not just this feeling. And if you come for just a feeling, well, that's just going to pass. But it has to be rooted in the conscious act to serve and do the will of the Father. I mean, did he not teach us in the word? He said, you know, pray like this. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom forever and ever. And worship is not necessarily serving on the worship team or serving on hospitality or even serving in GPC Kids. It's not, worship is not what we do, it's who we are. That's what the Lord kept showing me this morning. It's not what we do, it's not what we do for God, but it's, it's who we are to him in relationship with him. And every day, I feel like worship is also, I'm gonna go off the cuff a little bit. Worship is also self-evaluating. It says in Psalm 139, I've never read this before. Let me go to it. I believe, yes, it's so much of self-evaluation. So as it says in Psalm 139, um, 23, we know this verse, right? Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. But we don't read on. You know what it says in 24? Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. We don't read on. We don't read on. We just say, oh, search me, oh God. Lead me. Just help my anxious heart. But, it, but then there's that self-evaluation that says, point out anything in me that offends you. And I think that's what worship is. Worship is a lifestyle. Worship is not a song. I think that we've just totally misunderstood what worship is. Worship is a lifestyle. It's what we watch. It's what we do. It's what we wear. It's who we listen to, it's who we choose to listen to. It's what we do throughout the day. It's an act of worship. It's not just, it's, it's incredible. I love leading worship. It's one of, it is what I'm called to do. And I'm so grateful. But I look past all this because at the end of the day, I don't want a perfect worship team. I just want a passionate worship team that says, I just want to live a life that says, that just lives unabandoned and says, I just want to do what the Lord says for me to do. I want to live uprightly and I just want to serve in what, whatever capacity, God, that you want me to serve in. And as the Lord was showing me, as he was showing me that the, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, Equally, love your neighbor as yourself. Mackenzie and I have been talking a lot about this principle lately. It's just do unto others as you would want done unto you. It's a principle that today we totally don't do. Look at our culture. Do we really do unto others as we would want done unto ourselves? I don't think so. Look at all the racial tension. Look at what even happened with Kavanaugh. Look at all that. I'm not getting political, I, I, I no. I don't know really much about it, but 
I do know that if we really loved others, as the word says, don't you think we could change our culture? And I love it. I love what the message says in 1 Corinthians 13. If I speak with human eloquence and angelic ecstasy, but don't have love, I'm nothing but a creaking of a rusty gate. If I speak God's word with power, revealing all mysteries and making everything plain as day, and if I have faith that says to this mountain, jump, and it jumps, but I don't have love, I'm nothing. If I give everything I own to the poor, and even go out to the stake to be burned as a martyr, but I don't have love, I haven't gotten anywhere. So no matter what I say, what I believe, what I do, I'm bankrupt without love. See, love never gives up. Love cares more for others than for self. Do we do that? I don't think so. I don't think we really do that as much as we think we do. Love doesn't want, love doesn't strut, love doesn't have a big head, it doesn't force itself on others, it isn't always me first. Love doesn't fly off the handle, love doesn't keep score of the sins of others, yeah, it doesn't keep the score of the sins of others. Love does not um, revel or, or when others grovel. It takes pleasure in the flowering of truth. Love puts up with anything. Love trusts God. Love always looks for the best. Love never looks back. And love keeps going to the end. Prophecy and speaking in unknown languages and special knowledge will become useless, but love will stay steadfast. Now our knowledge is partial and incomplete, and even if the gift of prophecy reveals only part of the picture, but when the time of perfection comes, these things, these partial things will become useless. When I was a child, I spoke and thought like a child, I reasoned like a child, but when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we will see things imperf um, imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But when we see everything with perfect clarity, but then we will see everything with perfect clarity. All that I know now is partial and incomplete. But then I will know everything completely, just as God who knows me completely. Three things will last forever, faith, hope, and love. And the greatest of these is love. And it says in 1 John that we can love simply because he loved us first. Isn't that incredible? And Henry Beecher said, I never knew how to worship until I knew how to love. We won't fully understand how to worship until we fully understand how to love. And I think the man that did this the greatest was Jesus. When he was at the Garden of Gethsemane, Gethsemane, whatever. Um, and he went and he told his disciples, he said, now watch and pray. And he went off to be with the Father. That's that chair time. He went off to be with the Father because he had some things that he needed to ask God. He, need, he was questioning, not questioning, but he just wanted to feel God's heart. He knew that this was such a time that he needed to get on his knees and pray. And it says in Matthew 26, 39, he went on a little farther 
and he bowed with his face to the ground praying, my father, if it is possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me, yet I want your will to be done. Wow. I think that was the ultimate act of sacrifice and worship, of saying, if you can let this pass, let it pass. But yet I want your will to be done. And I think that's what worship is. Worship is just allowing God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I think another person that really worships so beautifully, and we all know the story of Mary who poured out her perfume. And I want to read this out. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went home and sat down to eat with a certain immoral woman from that city, heard that he was eating there, and she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. And then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. It's not a good place to be. In the shadow of our Savior. And she wept. And then she brought her perfume. Tears fell on her feet, on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. And then she kept kissing his feet and putting the perfume on his feet. When the, um, when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this, is, if this man were a prophet, he would know that that kind of woman is touching him as a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts, Simon, isn't that incredible? I just saw that, that Jesus answered his thought because he said it to himself. So he was automatically critical of her. And Jesus answered his thoughts. And it also says in Psalm 139 that you know my thoughts even before they're even on my tongue. And Jesus answered his thoughts and kind of wanted to put him in his place in a good, healthy way. I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 5,000 pieces of silver, to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay the debt, so he kindly forgave both of them, canceling their debts. And who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose one of the one that had the larger debt. And he said, that's right. Then he turned to the woman and said, Simon, look at the woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash off the, feet, uh, the dust from my feet. But she washed them with her tears and she wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss from the time I came in. She has not stopped kissing my feet. You have neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head. But she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. And it says, I tell you her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows little love. And Mary understood her need for a savior. She knew that she was full of just sin and she was repentive and she just bowed low before the Lord. And I feel like at times that we have bowed low before the Lord, at times that we're struggling or 
we're frustrated or there's a death or whatever that circumstance is, that we've bowed low before him and we've wept and we've used all of our resources and we've just poured out our heart. But then there's other times that we've been just like this Pharisee, that we come to church and we don't bow low before the Lord. And it also talks about the, there was another woman caught in adultery. It said, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. So who are we to not be at this altar or the altar of our heart to say, God, I sin every day. And I'm just so thankful that every time you take me back, and that we would just pour out all of our affection, all of our devotion. And as she was pouring this perfume, it didn't make sense to anybody. Why was she giving the last little bit, the one thing she probably owned in her life, why was she pouring it out on the feet of Jesus? It was totally countercultural. Totally countercultural. And Romans 12.1 is also countercultural. That says, so here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. You're sleeping, you're eating, you're going to work, you're walking around your everyday life and place it before God as an, as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for him. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it with, without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. I love that. Readily recognize. We have to do that. We have to recognize what he wants from us and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and he develops well-formed maturity in you. And, I, and he goes on to say, I'm speaking to you out of deep gratitude for all that God has given me, and especially as I have had these responsibilities in relation to you, living then as every one of you do in pure grace. It's important that you do not misinterpret yourselves as people who are bringing this goodness to God. No, bring, God brings it to you. The only accurate way to understand ourselves is by what God is and by what he does for us, not by what we are and what we can do for him. I have no more notes, but I'm gonna go off the cuff. That's what worship is to me. And like I said, I, I love leading worship. And I've been thinking so much about what Pastor Garrett's been talking about this chair time. And I've been just trying to find any chair time that I have, whether that's in my gifting or just sitting before the Lord or while I'm feeding little Daniel and I'm praying in the spirit and I'm seeking God's heart. And that's what worship is. It's just seeking after God's heart. And it says the true worshipers will arise with spirit and in truth. It can't all just necessarily be spirit and it can't all necessarily be truth, but in spirit and in truth. 
And that's why worship is so important that we evaluate ourselves, that there's a self-evaluation that's always happening, that we can come before this altar and say, search me, oh God, and whatever offends you, pull it out of me. And if we have not love, then we don't have anything. We're just a clanging symbol. And I believe that's what worship is, is loving God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and loving people, and serving people, and just pouring out on the feet of Jesus. So I want to take a few moments as we're just in this space of worship that you allow the Lord to search your heart and that you would find yourself in a place of worship daily. And maybe it's not singing necessarily or putting on a song, but that you would open up your word and find truth in that and how you love people out on the street. And it's what you do, and this is what I always tell people, I care more about your life Monday through Saturday than I care about your life on Sunday. I care about your life on Sunday, but it's what you do Monday through Saturday matters so much more than one day. Coming into church doesn't mean that you're gonna leave changed. I was talking to somebody the other day and she's been at church for maybe less than a year and she said, you know, um, church has just kind of gotten like the mundane. It's just kind of something I do, I just go. And I'm like, you know what? That's okay that you feel that way. It's totally valid. But she, she stopped me and she said, but you know what? I realize that I have to get in and I have to serve. So serving might not look like serving on the worship team or necessarily serving, but that's just serving this heart to serve in whatever capacity. And that's serving others in the community, that's serving here in the church. But we want this altar to be readily available for you. And Pastor Joyce and I and Kim and Pastor Webb will all be up here and we want to pray with you. And whether you're on the mountaintop and you're praising God, that praise should just be as loud as when you're in the, in the valley. Amen. So Holy Spirit, you are welcome here. And as we just worship you for who you are, because you are so good. And we're so thankful for what you did on the cross 2,000 years ago. That it has not lost its power. And that's the reason that we worship you with our life. Because you gave the ultimate sacrifice for us. That is why we worship you. We worship you because you're good all the time. We worship you because you're sovereign. We worship you because you are worthy. We worship you for who you are. And there is nothing that we could do that could ever separate us from the love of God. And we're so thankful that you first loved us so that we can love others. Teach us how to love others so that we can worship you even greater, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. We hope you are blessed. For more messages like this one, check out our website at gatheringplacechurch.com.